I'm your announcer Joey Clams, and you're listening to the Genghis and Ragman Show, where a couple of metalheads talk about hard rock and heavy metal while drinking and writing craft beers from around the country. And don't forget to stick around after tonight's festivities for a one-on-one interview with our featured guest. Hey everybody, this is Gus G from Firewind, and I give you the right to rock. For two guys who are so metal, they sleep in the garage. It's Genghis and Ragman. I'm doing all right. You care to tell the people out there what's going on with you, or you want to keep that a private? No, I just, it's not about keeping it private. It's just, I don't give a shit to tell anybody. Got the vid. I don't know if you can get, I guess you could technically get the vid from sexual transmission. 
right, Genghis? Huh? You think so? Or? I don't even know what you're saying. What did you say? No, John wanted to know if you could get COVID from sexual transmit, like an STD. Oh. I don't, I think so. If you kiss somebody, right? Or sneeze on them. I think so too. Thanks for pointing that out, John. It's probably never been asked, but thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I'm sure the fans are were really interested in knowing your thoughts on the matter of the transmission of COVID. So, John putting in his two cents. How you doing? Uh, I know you're gonna ask how you doing. I know how you doing. I can look at your face and I can know it's not well. And okay. bummer because we were gonna go to the final day, or one of the final days of a place that we did a few shows from. It's kind of a sad day in Houston coming up this weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but we did some shows from a place called the Hay Merchant, which uh, where they had a really good kitchen and just a lot of really cool craft beer here in Houston. So. Uh, Genghis and I were going to partake, but uh, unfortunately, Genghis is not feeling the best, so uh, we're just going to have to bid adieu from a distance, I guess. Because we actually tried to go, remember, right before the holidays, and then the fuckers weren't even open. Yeah, they've been, they've been having troubles, and that's probably why they're closing. I don't, I don't know what the real story is, but that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, kind of a bummer. So, I mean, it's a shame. It's been around for a while, and uh, I was trying to look up the history of it, but. Uh, you know, craft food and beer. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the... I don't know if you call that a gastropub technically or what, but, you know, they're one of the first in Houston, you know, because they started... Because yeah. I remember when they, when they opened up, we were really excited because they were one of the first to really have a, a very impressive selection of beer. Oh, yeah. And they, there were clearly people who knew what they were doing when they talked about beer. So they, and that was when we were getting on our craft beer kick. So... Uh, it was, it, was, it was a fun place to go to and, and, and to uh, check out all the fancy kind of beers. Even uh, I met What's-Her-Face there. Shoot, I forgot her name. The gal, she, now she works for, uh, for uh, uh, shit, Goose Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told yeah, me Yeah, the female. Yeah. She's a female Cicero. And uh, and I met her there. Uh, she was doing a, a promotional thing there. And so I got to chat with her for a little bit. And that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm looking up her name quickly while we're talking, but uh, so you know we've had some fun there at the place, and it's a shame that it's closing, but you oh, know yeah. it is what it is. What are you gonna do, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I guess I know. So you and I tried to go. I want to say it was around New Year's Eve or, sh- or something like that, around the New Year, the very following week. I, I think the same week, the day, like a day or two after you and I tried to go, the kid and I went. And there was like three people in there. So I was like, God, this is kind of sad. But it's the holidays. Probably just not a lot of people around. Then the next, like two weeks later, it's like, hey, we're going out of business. It was, ah, it's like, man, I feel bad. Because the kitchen was good. And they always had a good selection of beer. And it was in a great area of town. And when we used to go, they were always packed. So I don't, I'm not really sure what went, went wrong. Whether it be like rent going up or something like that. It's probably the case. <clears throat> they charge well, enough money, so I don't know if it's rent going up. I think it was more like uh, COVID just fucked everything. And they're just another casualty of COVID would be my guess. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I wouldn't uh, 
But it's, it's sad. I, I kind of feel bad. I wanted to go. I was waiting for you because that's the place that you and I kind of discovered together. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I feel fortunate I got to go one of the last times. Dude, I got a fucking Philly cheesesteak. It was fucking phenomenal. Really good. <laughs> okay. And uh, had a couple beers. And I was like, oh, man, I fucking, I miss hanging out. It was a cool place. So I think it's going to be like an upscale, upscale like cocktail bar or something like that now. So. That's kind of oh, scary. really? Okay. I thought they were crows closing up for good. So, I don't know. Who fucking knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, sad day for that. I mean, on the crappier scene. Um, but as far as uh, something else, I just want to say, I, dude, there's so many fucking shows coming to town. I had, for the first time in three years, I had to make a list of all the tickets I have. There's so many shows coming up. So you and I are, looks like we're going to see All That Remains with Miss May I coming up here next month, which would be cool. fucking cool. Uh, Miss May I kicked our ass a few years ago, you know, when we saw them. Same thing yep. with All That Remains when they opened up, did they headlined, right? And then In Flames opened up or was it vice versa? Uh, I think it was All That Remains was headlining. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of sad they're playing Scout Bar, but... Uh, oh, is that where it is? Yeah, it's a scalper. Uh, I don't know if you told me that. But they played House of Blues and pretty much sold the place out. And uh, that was for COVID, too, right? So, right, so a very know. different idea. And, dude, they're doing uh, that one record with the, like, gray cover with the guy, like, fighting or whatever. Or he had yeah. his arm up like that, like in a fist. Uh-huh. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, but... Anyway, it's the first album I think you and I got into All That Remains. It's the anniversary of it. So I think they're going to do it in its entirety. Cool. So that's going to be an awesome show, man. Yeah, I follow the, uh, or I watch the uh, stream. Uh, He's on Twitch, the uh, rhythm guitarist for the band. Mm -hmm. And he'll get on there and he just plays All That Remains songs like the whole time. And he's fucking rocks it. Oh, yeah. So he's cool. They're badass. We love them. Oh, yeah. They're a great band. We followed them for years. And uh, they kicked our ass when we saw them. So, yep. uh, looking forward to that. And Dark Tranquility, a band that I've never seen, come to Scout Bar as well. So, uh, band of them, Chris Amont on guitars, used to be with Arch Enemy. We yep. interviewed Chris a while back. Uh, so, some really cool shows. I tell you what, uh, as we're like talking about all that remains, uh, we play something. Let me get the name of that record. Um, real quick, Genghis, have you heard, is is Gladys, is she coming back ever? Or is it, is she remote still from the hospital? Or what's going on? Do you know? I have no idea. I have heard nothing. Um, but for a while, John was getting some updates from McCheese. And then it just kind of died off, so... I know we did that, what was it, what do they call it, an ISDN line or something like that? <laughs> I think that's what it was. Okay. But, uh, yeah, she was, she was like, coming in for a while doing that. But then, but anyway, hold on, I got it here. It's the uh, Fall of Ideals uh, that oh. came out in 20, 2006. Uh, this is the first album I want to say I discovered all that remains on. And you and I, I mean, this is a record you and I were like, Holy fuck. 
Uh, this is pretty awesome. So they just, they just came out with a remastered version here recently. And uh, shit, man, I think the single off that that we really dug was called The Calling. Why don't we just go with that? All right. Kick into a beer, Mr. G. Drinking the Rough Tail Power Word Citra. It's a New England. Looks like a double IPA. Yeah, double IPA. The logo's kind of crazy. But it's kind of cool with the frog. I don't know if you can see that over there. Uh huh. So, not a bad little beer there. Uh, did you get anything on that thing? Yeah, the story is this is from Rough Tail Brewing Company. And it is a double dry hopped, uh, hazy, uh, New England IPA, a double IPA. Uh, and it's, uh, a dry hop with Citra. So there's not a lot from it, but that's what we got. It's 8.25% uh, ABV and 40 IBUs is what might expect. Nice. Well, uh, let's look at this thing. A lot of head on it. Which I dig. Little foamy head there. And, uh. <coughs> what? It has a lot of head. Yeah. So. Looks creamy. That's what she said. Enough, John. Uh. Aroma. Holy shit, dude. This smells good. Uh. Very rich. You can kind of get like a kind of a sweetness out of it. Uh, a lot of citrus, <coughs> uh, a lot of lacy with the head. 
on the beer. Uh, really beautiful beer. It's just very, almost like a peachy color, I guess, in the sliding. Very hazy. Uh, looks great. I'm, I'm ready to drink it. So, aroma for, look for, what's this going to be, Paisan? Gosh, I wonder. You always surprise us with these things. Hit those horns, baby. Very nice. Very kind of sweet. A lot of citrus coming in. Uh, what is, I thought it was like blood orange, but I don't get the blood orange so much. A little bit of bitterness on the back end. Nice. Really rich and creamy. Really good. Real citrusy. It's a winter, Holmes. Hey, I just appreciate the uh, variety you bring to the stream with this stuff. Thank you, sir. I Remind me next time. I have a St. Arnold stout that I got to drink. All right. So, gosh, we'll a stout. I wonder what that even is. Um, yeah, song over there for we get some stories. Yeah, I can give you a song. A little, a little, a little uh, looky loo here at some of the stuff we got. How about let's try something a little different for the hell of it? Let's go with something from uh, an Indian folk metal band. They like them apples. That's a first. Indian folk metal, actually pretty cool. This is a, a group called Bloodywood. And the name of the, or maybe the, no, I think the group is called Bloody Wood and the song is called Aj, A A J. But it's pretty cool, so uh, take a listen. Something a little different than the usual shit. So, um, what are you thinking over there? Uh, do you got a story for us? Or should we talk a little bit of the... We talked about, and we are way fucking behind. So let's just be honest here. Um, maybe some highlights of 
2021 or we kind of passed that at this point i mean i think we kind of passed it at this point we're not going to tell you what month this is in when we're recording yeah that would be embarrassing yeah a little bit so maybe we'll just blow that off <laughs> unless you want to say something uh, the last no. dream theater was pretty solid right yep we got them coming up here in a few months it's gonna be yep. nice Oh, and I didn't tell you, for the uh, Seven Death show, they're uh-huh. doing, it's like, the, I guess, the anniversary of Animosity. Cool. So, that's going to be, that could be a potentially a really cool show, too, if they're doing cool. that in its entirety. I love that All record. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I was surprised that that's kind of still a thing. Uh, it's interesting because... So Seven Dust is coming in February doing Animosity, and then they come back a month later opening for Daughtry, right. American Idol Battle. Right. And him and LeJean have done some stuff. I mean, I think, I want to say Daughtry was on a Seven Dust record. Okay. And then they did a cover of... Uh, that Temple of the Dog song, I'm going hungry, hungry, yeah. You know that song? Yeah. And it was okay. It was, it was all right. I mean, I put it on Spotify for a bit. I was like, eh, I've had enough. Heard it a few times, like, okay, I get it. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm new to Spotify. I just started like, and I want to ask you, I actually have some questions for you uh, before we get into the topic, but being a newbie to Spotify, I made one playlist and I'm just like plugging in songs and I'm just plugging in all sorts of shit, like 80s alternative, some progressive, instrumental, metal, hair metal, pop metal, uh, like churches type stuff. Just all this different mishmash of songs. Like, that must be kind of a cool radio station, a radio station, right? Do you uh, do that, or do you create all different kind of genre playlists? And if, in second to that question is, if you are creating all these different playlists, can you somehow shuffle them once you create them? Yeah, I mean, you can shuffle any playlist, sure. I mean, shuffle the play different playlists. So, see, you had a classic rock one. You had uh, a metal one. You had an instrumental one. If you had like three or four different playlists on Spotify, could mm-hmm. you say, "Hey, I want to shuffle all three of these at one time," so it picks that songs I, from each playlist? That I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Maybe I need to ask the kid. She's like pretty well versed in that shit. Okay. Anyway, man, uh, how about a topic? Hey, there you go. How about this? Did you know that Brian May is going to be making his acting debut in a BBC children's TV series? Really? Yeah, according to Guitar World, it says here that he's going to be on a show called Andy and the Band. And -hmm. he's set to star as the godfather of rock who helps Andy and the Odd Socks overcome a global rock catastrophe. Really? Yeah, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, it, you know, what are you gonna do, right? You're not gonna, you don't want to come. With, you're not gonna come up with anything that's like legendary that lasts for fifty years. You know, it's just, you don't need to think of the ultimate thing to call him. Whatever. It's like, look, we're just gonna create a character. 
he's called the Godfather of Rock. And people who know, like, you know, the kids aren't going to know who the hell this guy is, but all the cool people, you know, their parents and grandparents will be like, this freaking Brian May, sweet. So they'll get some fan service, and, and uh, Brian gets to be on TV telling people, I mean, you know, you know the guy's a genius. He's got a PhD in astrophysics or something like that. So uh, it's cool that he could come on and teach people some stuff and do a little acting and kind of say, hey, by the way, remember Queen was one of the greatest bands of all time, you idiots? Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll teach some to them little kids. It says here on the article that uh, the show, which airs in the UK on the BBC's children's channel, CBBC, an on-demand service player, iPlayer, follows Andy Day and his band The Odd Sox, and its second season is due to commence January 24th with the first episode, Planet Rock. In this episode, uh, which centers around inclusivity, May's Godfather of Rock will join Andy the Odd Sox for the best jam ever while also helping them overcome a global rock test. So, uh, I think it's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, the Odd Sox seek the Godfather on Planet Rock for an emotional reunion with the band's guitarist Rio after he loses confidence and even his air guitar. Oh my god. He did. I know, it's like, bruh, what are we going to do? The Godfather <laughs> of Rock. Guitar. Where'd that bloody Rock. thing go? Godfather of Rock will fix it all, mate. So, <laughs> the I mean, Godfather I think, of Rock. I know, it's like, you know, it's these kind of cheesy characters. It's going to make, uh, you know, it's going to make kids happy. You know, they're going to enjoy, you know, learning about whatever their topic is. But, uh, like I said, the older people are going to be like, hey, freaking Brian May, sweet. Yeah, I guess some of the, I mean, typical guys. I mean, the kids aren't going to know who the fuck he is, but they'll probably get a bigger audience based on people that are big rock music fans too, right? So that's why that's the only reason to do it, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, everyone has their reasons, but uh, like I said, you know, it's cool. I mean, I think when you've been around that long, you've earned the right to kind of go around and trade on your freaking uh i mean he's he's legendary status you know but would you think at this point he's got enough bread does he need to oh it's do not that? for money no, nobody for does that shit right or... nobody does that shit for money right. <clears throat> he ain't making no money off that show i mean all of it he makes more money off the you know those residual checks than anything else royalties we're gonna pay you four pound fifty mate and oh, some lentils right four pounds fifty each <laughs> I made a pot of lentils for you, Brian. <laughs> lentil considering, like, considering what I'm not going to do, I thought I should make like 13 portions. <laughs> Maybe if I can quote that whole episode. Uh, every now and then I'll see a homeboy, uh, what is Adrian Edmondson, the guy who played Vivian. Every now and yeah. then I'll see him in other shows. He's in some cop show because I watch all these, you know, BBC Mr. Mm-hmm. Crime shows. And he's he was in one of them as as some guy, and I was like, "That's that's fucking Vivian." Is he like super old now? Yeah, he just looks like an old, uh, like just a regular old dude. You wouldn't even recognize him if you didn't know him from the show. What did I think May all die of? Do you recall? I don't. I think it was some, something unusual. I, I don't even think it was like a heart attack or anything. Like he must have had some congenital disease or something. I like Rick. I <laughs> He died of syphilis? I did what I heard. Where'd you hear he it? Died, he died from a heart attack in 2014. Yeah, the, the heart attack was caused by syphilis. 
I doubt that very seriously. Lick it up. Go be a dick. Oh, pardon me, sir. Didn't know the news, but once I prove you wrong, you'll be the one eating dick. We'll see about that. We'll, we'll see about that. I don't even know what that means. Uh, so, what was... So, uh, let's see. Neil was Nigel Planner, right? Yeah. What happened to him? You never saw uh, him after? Because Rick and Adrian did that... Right, they, show, and they, they did worship. the yeah. I forget the name of the thing, the comedy thing, which kind of spawned bad news. Right. So he's uh, see what old boy is doing. I mean, he did like the odd gig, I think, but I don't think he's done anything in a while. Let's see what he does now. He's <laughs> like, <clears throat> what's Alexi doing, Holmes? Said in 2018, he voiced the character of Henry Davident Hyde in the Big Fish Productions original production Jeremiah Born in Time, which he also wrote. He also narrated an audiobook written by Chris Wade called Raymond's Room. It'd be awesome if he read that in the Neil voice. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Wouldn't it be awesome? Every character is actually fucking Neil. It just does Neil for it. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Adrian Edmondson. Is it Adrian or Aiden, Aiden Edmondson? I think it's Adrian, but I could be wrong. And everything's fucking Vivian. <laughs> uh, awesome. No, but he was. Uh, I mean, he done. I think he's done a lot of like voiceover shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Christopher Ryan was uh, Mike, the cool person, and Alexi Sale, of course, was uh, Mr. Bolovsky Holmes. Yes, Holmes, your favorite. I fucking love Mr. Bolovsky. I'm not really English, you know. <laughs> was it Russian or was it English? He's playing a Russian. Or it's supposed to be. No, Russian. I'm not really Australian, right? <clears throat> no, he'd say I'm not really foreign, you know. Mm-hmm. No, he's funny because I think he was a regular, like he was a stand-up comic, was his real gig, and then he would do these little bits on on shows and stuff. Yeah, when he was a vampire, that was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I like that. That's the thing. He played all these different characters. He did like a bunch of little bullshit roles, and it was funny. He was like the landlord. But he was always fucking. <coughs> fuck. I think it was always supposed to be other Bolovsky. So he like played yeah. all of his own like relatives or something. But they never changed his look. It right, it's always the same. He was. Like, I think was they did. Awesome. Then they show a picture once of him and his family, and it was all like him and all the pictures, but with like a oh, wig and yeah, shit. Yeah. So, shit was hilarious. That's pretty awesome. Fucking love that show. All right. Oh, well, good for Brian May, man. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully that does okay for him. Again, it's not like you said. It's not. It's not for the money. That's for sure. There's no reason. No, like I said, I think they do that just to sort of. They feel like they're giving back to the community because it's you know for an educational kid show. Blah blah blah. Yeah. You know whatever. Like I said, my point is is that I think it's cool. These guys have reached legendary status, so they have a right to sort of walk around and throw that around and be like, they have a right to walk into a room or be a, a walk on guest to some show. Just so that the, everyone in the audience can go, start clapping and go, "Holy shit, it's freaking Brian May, dude! Yeah. Check it out!" So I'm cool with that. You know, it's like you know what, go for it. You've earned it. Like like I, we've said before, it'd be cool if you had some show, any kind of show, and then like you know, for the fuck of it, one day for a walk on roll, you have like Lemmy walk out, say a couple of lines, and but just you know, play it straight, and then have everybody be like, "Holy fuck, that was Lemmy, dude!" Well, he yeah he. He dabbled in acting. He did that uh, 
the movie Eat the Rich, which I have on DVD. I think it's like, I'm sure it's like out of print by now, but probably. I found it after I read his book before he passed away, uh, White Light Fever. I heard he was in that movie. He was like, fuck, let me send that. I gotta fucking buy it. The movie's total shite, but now I want to go back and watch it. I mean, movies like that, sometimes you gotta, you gotta be in the right mood to watch them and like be in the right mindset to say, ah, this is okay or it's like a total piece of shit. But it got revered as a pretty decent comedy. Huh. I just hadn't watched it in years, so I don't know. Nice. So, so should we play a Queen song or a Motorhead yeah. song? Yeah, if you want to do a Queen song. Or a Bad News song. Hey, any one of them, dude. Knock it out. How about some Queen? Nothing obvious. Uh, anything off the top of your head? Keep that dream alive. Let's do it. Good song. Yep. Next story. Uh, I'll mention this real quick because I just found it kind of interesting. I mean, it, it looks cool as fuck. It's weird as fuck, but it's also cool as fuck. Steve I's got a new guitar that he's debuted or will be debuting, unveiling very soon. It's called the Hydra. Have you seen it? Is it like three necks? Right. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, it's this thing. It's got everything on it. It's got everything on it. It's got a 12-string guitar. Half of the neck on the 12-string guitar, like all the upper frets, are fretless. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a regular 7-string guitar on it. It's got a 3 quarter scale bass guitar, so like sort of a mini bass guitar on it. Half of that fretboard is fretless. And, uh, and he's got harp strings, like 13 harp strings on the other part of it. Holy shit! I didn't. I didn't look at that. Oh, I think it, it would. He didn't send to me. I think it's more of a Facebook thing that he yeah. like put something. And I just like, oh wow, three neck guitar. Okay. But but the game goes farther than that. Each one of the guitars uh, has like, well, at least the guitar part, not maybe the bass, but we'll have like. <clears throat> I think they've got like sustain uh, pickups in them, so it's oh, like wow. a sustainiac, so it can just you hold a note, and it'll just hold it forever. Mm -hmm. uh, They've got like piezo pickups, so you can have like a really acoustic sound when you go clean tone. They've got like humbucker pickups, but each of them can all be like individually turned on and off. Oh, 
wow. It's, it, it's crazy customized. It's like you just looking at it, it looks weird, but you don't even know the level of customization built into this motherfucker. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. And so he's, yeah, and so I think he's also going to, he wrote a song that showcased all the things that it can do. So I, I, that's what I really want to hear. I can't wait till that yeah. comes out. But uh, that should be coming out soon, I think, when they do the major reveal of it. They just did the preview. That's what that video is. Just gives you the preview well, of all the shit. He was doing his first tour in, like, forever and just postponed it. So I Yeah, don't he had to have surgery. Yeah, he had to have surgery. So uh, he figured he needed to postpone it until uh, September. Oh, okay. So it was due to, <coughs> I thought it was due to, like, <clears throat> again, I didn't read the article. Um and I didn't have tickets because I wasn't sure if I was going to go or not. I didn't really dive into it. But, yeah, Lee was pretty bummed. He's like, dude, I had tickets to buy. Now he's not coming. It's postponed. Yeah. Just like every fucking show coming, like Kansas just postponed. Yeah. Right? Actually, they canceled the full date in Fort Worth for yeah. some reason. See, this is why I'm not buying tickets to shows. I'm just like, I, I still don't consider this shit to be over with. Yeah. So I still feel like I'm going to get dicked around. Mm-hmm. At the last minute, buy everything. I'll spend all this money on tickets, and won't be able to go to any fucking shows. Well, you get the money back, to be fair. But again, yeah, but not not all of it. Beginning, you did. You're lending money to Live Nation for something to fucking ultimately fail. I get right. It. Yeah, that's why I'm not into that shit. Yeah, I got you. So anyway, that's really, d- really good. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, so that's. Uh, that's that, but I just thought that was cool. I mean, every now and then uh, he'll actually go so far as to say, "Look, I'm actually gonna debut a whole fucking new guitar." Like the last one he did was the the Pia, I think it's called, named after his wife. It's an update to the uh, the gym that he did mm-hmm. all those years ago. The gym is the yeah. most famous guitar, obviously, that he did. So usually when he create goes to bother create a new guitar, it's usually something pretty special. So I saw that he created this one specifically. He's had weird ass guitars before. He's got right. that one heart guitar I used to play that's got oh, like yeah, yeah. four or five necks on it. And he's got like that one like five neck guitar that he that looks ridiculous. It's like as tall as he is. I would think you'd break your damn back trying to carry that motherfucker. Didn't Michelangelo have a, like a really fucked up guitar too? He's got the, that weird four. It's like shaped like an X because he can play because he's, <laughs> he's ambidextrous. He can play both necks at once. Yeah. So he'll like play the top, both top ones at once and then play both bottom ones at once. He's a nut. But he can play him. That motherfucker can play just as good left-handed as he can right-handed. It's crazy how good he is. But anyway, so, you know, with Vi creating another one, I guess this is only his third guitar that he's created. So Mm -hmm. it's probably supposed to be pretty special. And it looks like it's a a one-of-a-kind. I doubt they're going to put that into production. It's just like, look at this cool shit I did. So like I said, for me, I'm like, hey, I'd love to hear uh, that guitar actually used to its potential by anybody. But he's the most obvious one who'd do it because he designed it. So be interesting to listen to so pretty cool would be pretty cool so i mean is that is that a show you would go see would you go see by oh fuck yeah i know you would he's one of my favorites yeah i guess did you hear about the show were you like and probably should get tickets to that no i told you it's i don't trust it was like g3 right yeah i don't i don't trust it i don't trust anything this whole year for shows so do you wait to the last minute, or you just say, "I'm not going to go"? Yeah, I'm not going to go. It's easier to just okay. not go. Yeah, I already, I already blew off two years. Why not just one more? What's one more? Yeah. I guess. That way, when it comes you. back, it's like the shit's done. We're done with this horse shit. I press you for a couple <coughs> shows, and you're like, "All right, pencil me in, fucker." Yeah, because it's months away. Who knows what things will be like months away? This I'm willing true. to, and I can always bail at the last minute. 
This is true. This I mean, I'm not. I'm I not, still feel I'm bad for you. You would enjoy ginger. Ginger, yeah, whatever. Fucking awesome, dude. I know, but I'm at this point, like I've said before, I'm used to it. I've already been fucked out of like five yeah. shows with ginger, so this what's one more? Tatiana's want to see you, Holmes. Totally, man. She's Where amazing. Is this Genghis that I hear so much about. No shit. No, she's she's such an amazing singer. I'd love to see her up oh, close. Dude, just see it watch live? her do her like, shit. Yeah. Fuck is going if, on. Anytime you watch any of those live videos, there's a lot of live performances on. Uh, on the internet on youtube and uh you can feel the energy man that that's that band is f just seething with energy and so it must be just amazing to be live well, at the ginger crazy. show i mean because you think about it, she's a little chick and she's really pretty a really beautiful woman yeah and to hear this and yeah singing so clear and beautiful i was like oh yeah how does that come out of you Hey, that's the no, but this is training. I mean, yeah. theoretically, you know, most people could see that that if they put the training into it, she's learned proper technique, and that's been verified by an actual, you know, opera yeah. uh, coach. Yeah, she interviewed her too. She there's a video of her where she interviewed her to say like, "Hey, how the hell did you learn how to sing like this?" So, mm -hmm. I mean, she was that fascinated that she's like, "I gotta learn." She would she would interview Dio. She goes, "That's her favorite singer." She fucking loves Dio. She thinks oh, that dude is the fucking shit. I uh. In the Spotify thing I was telling you about. So, you know, Tracy's our boy. Uh, and uh, the Live at the Inferno, that uh, he that live record that came out a few years ago, and they did the video before the pandemic. You and I watched it where Tracy was younger. It's fucking wailing. I think it was on the Strange Highways tour. Uh, and, man, I put, like, uh, Don't Talk to Strangers and Last in Line on my Spotify list. Just because the way Tracy, I mean, Ronnie's on top of his game. And right, Tracy told me that this, uh, before. He's like, dude, Ronnie was on fire. When we worked together, he was, in my opinion, some of the strongest vocals Ronnie in his career. Yeah. Not just the stuff that we say, but even live, just Ronnie was killing it every night. Yeah. And I'm listening to that. And I'm like, fucking hey, dude. And it's funny because the Munchkin knows him. Yep. And we're listening to it. I was like, that's Tracy there. She goes, Uncle Tracy? I said, yes, fucking Tracy playing guitar there. She goes, wow, Dad, that's awesome. I was like, yes. Uh, this you. is what I'm saying. You met yeah. this guy. You met him a few times. <laughs> this <laughs> is Tracy. So, no, I just, I mean, the Inferno record is so cool. And even Lee's like, I think it's so awesome because, you know, Lee was probably more of a Vivian Campbell guy, like a lot yeah. of us were. Uh -huh. And I think he really respects, even Eric, our snake, respects the Tracy era. Now, I think that you and I have been kind of bigger spokesmen than other podcasts, not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but about that era, because we are friends with Tracy. But right. such a talented guy and what he added to Dio and not just duplicating what Vivian was doing and putting his own flavor in the solos. You get a little bit of bluesy and stuff like that, and you're like, fucking A, dude. He was yep. so underrated and has been underappreciated as a guitar player in that Dio era. That Strange Highways record is fucking phenomenal. And you go back and listen to Angry Machines today, there's some really, I mean, 
when it first came out, I was like, yeah, this record's not what I wanted, blah, blah, blah. But you listen to it today, it's like, that's not a bad fucking record. There's some good shit on it, for real. Uh, yep. In fact, when she did the last video I saw, she did one of uh, it was Dio. She only looks at live performances, I guess, so she doesn't get the DMCA mm-hmm. hit. <coughs> and it was him doing uh, Last in Line, and it was one with Tracy G on the guitar. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, now which guitar is this? Look, and I saw that that beat up ass guitar, and I was like, what the fuck? And I looked for his pedal board. And he had the big monster pedal board. I'm like, fucking Tracy. Yeah. It's like, he had head. Yeah. But it was great. Yeah, she was digging it. She's like, dude, she she fucking raves about Dio, man. Well, you know, another cool thing that uh, recently came out in the news, uh, just talk about news a little bit, is uh, Tony Martin uh, announced the other day that finally they're going to remaster and re release some of the old Sabbath with Tony Martin on vocals. So that's uh-huh. the kind of like forgotten era of Sabbath. You got the Dio era, you got the Ozzy era, of course. I think they even remastered the uh, Ray Gillen stuff with like uh, the one record he did with them, Born Again. But the Tony Martin stuff kind of gets left behind it. There's some good music, uh, like Headless Cross, uh, Cross Purposes. Those two records were really, really strong records, but for some reason they weren't acknowledged. And Tony Martin, forget about it. Yep. He was kind of like a DOS, or is like a DOS type vocalist. High pitched vocals, strong, guttural. Guy's good. Yep. But it was in the 90s when, you know, metal wasn't metal anymore, or wasn't the thing. And, uh, they kind of flew under the radar with some really good records. So it's so I'm so happy to see that stuff's going to get re-released. In this day and age, you kind of wonder, does it really matter? Uh, maybe. Where people aren't buying a bunch of... Maybe people buying vinyl might snag it. I have it on CD, so am I going to rebuy it? No. I'm just happy for them that it's like, hey, you're getting a little bit of recognition here. Good for you. Nice. So, how about some Tony Martin era Sabbath? How about what we do, Headless Cross? It's a great song. I think we've done it before on the show, but we'll go ahead and do it now. Why not? Or no, no, fuck that. We're not going to do Headless Cross. We've done that before. How about Call of the Wild? Very nice. Let's do that. Last one. 
All right, so uh, I'll mention real quick a uh, Miss Kayla Kent. Kayla Kent is a YouTuber, mm-hmm. and if you look at her, she looks like your typical nerd. I mean, she's uh, she's not like a, a like a one of these typical YouTube chicks that's like super hot and super sexy and just like hi ha ha and like like a bubble headed dork. She looks like you know like a librarian or something, but. She's armed with a Kramer JK8000 uh, guitar, and she is basically channeling the spirit of Dimebag Daryl playing Pantera songs with, apparently, eye-watering accuracy. So, if you... Okay, let me stop you there. Uh-huh. Okay, so, if you're watching the video, uh-huh. And she's playing just like Dimebag. Are you going to tear uh-huh. up? Am I going to tear up? Yeah. Eye-watering. That's just a way of saying that it's like super crazy accurate. Oh. They're not saying that it's going to make you cry. Well, actually tearing up is what I want to No, no. That's not what they claimed. <laughs> just fuck with it. Yes, clearly. That's going to be good for her. Whatever. You know, uh, no, but I think that's cool. This is another uh, Guitar World story. It's just, you know, it, she looks like she's, I mean, I'm not even sure how old she is. She doesn't look particularly old. She's this young kid who just says, you know what, I want to try to play some. She doesn't look like a freaking Pantera fan. We'll put it that way. <coughs> and here she is. Uh, you know, it just shows, I guess, what I'm getting at here is that it's how Dimebag Daryl Daryl is continuing to influence young people. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I get that. Even now, 18 years after his death, um, she's probably like a little kid. 18 years, fuck me. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Dude, fucking time goes. I, I mean, I can still remember hearing on the radio when I used to listen to Eddie Trunk, him talking about that club where the guy went up and shot him. And it's like, fuck, what a fuck. You know, but you wonder because, you know, Vinnie Paul's gone now. Uh-huh. Diamond's still are around. I guess he's probably still doing something, but those two were like locked at the hip, just like Eddie and Alex. And Alex basically, after Eddie died, said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not playing drums ever again. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's fine. I totally understand. I mean, I get it, but I kind of don't get it. I mean, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, you I do. You still want to say. Age, He's probably got enough money in the bank. And then number two, he's probably like, fuck, it hurts to do this shit anymore. I don't really need to do it. But it would be cool if he would have been gone out and done, like, let's do a tribute to my brother. I'll play drums. We'll get either Wolfgang or we'll get Michael Anthony. We'll get all these guest guitar players to come out. We get Sammy to come out and sing. Get Dave to come out and sing. It do something really cool for my brother, like a tribute thing. But no, I'm done. I don't know. Can, would I say it really bothers me? No, but if something like that happened, I think, fuck, that would have been so cool. I would want to be there. Or I, I would buy the video to say I, I would want to see it in some sort of capacity. But I don't know. I don't know if you say, well, 
out of respect to my brother, I'm not going to play anymore. It's like, well, do you think that's really what Eddie wanted? And I, I guess with the Abbott brothers, with you know Diamond and uh, Vinnie Paul, do you think either one? I guess Vinnie Paul's like, oh fuck, I'm going out and doing this. Dime wanted me to keep on going, but again, I guess age-wise, it was a different age bracket where you probably had a 15-year span between the two, 15, 20 years between the two ages, or whatever. Oh, no, shit, not even that. Maybe 15 years where Vinny kept going. I'm sure Dime would have kept going, but Alex at, what, 60 or 70 years old, whatever he's at, said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. But he had a lot of health issues, too, so I don't know if that's part of it, too. But I think he had said, you know what, I'm hanging up the drum six, so to speak, not playing drums ever again. Our brother's gone. So my, yeah. I guess my question, does that bother you at all or no? What, when people stop playing? Or... When people stop playing? Yeah. Just like, yeah no, I don't yeah. give a shit. Why would I give a shit? I mean, but would you think it would be cool for like a Van Halen tribute with Alex, Michael Anthony, or Wolfgang, or whoever, Sammy, uh, Dave, right? Like a guest, a bunch of guest guitar players, just go out and play Van Halen music for one last time. No, as, no, you wouldn't want. Why would to I want that? that? Why would I, that would sound like shit? Why would I want that? Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. No, I mean, he's uh, Van Halen is famous. The songs are famous because Eddie Van Halen was badass. Yeah, he was the main driver. I get Right. It, I get so it. if you take the main... And so now if you had... Uh, let me try to think. I mean, like, well, let's say if David Lee Roth had died. You know, it's like, all right, we could do that. It's not because it's not like David Lee Roth was the most amazing singer of all time. You know what I mean? But it's like saying, oh, well, Jimi Hendrix died in the Jimi Hendrix trio, The Experience. So we're going to get a bunch of other dudes who like Hendrix stuff and the original dudes from the Hendrix band or whatever will come out and play the bass and the, and the drums with all these different guitars. I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? That's not Hendrix. So in other words, if you're going to do that, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Let me, get, let me make myself clear. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, let's do a, let's get all the favorite guitarists that you want who are all fans of Van Halen to get together and do some covers of Van Halen stuff as a tribute. But there's no need to have all the other Van Halen members there, like Alex or Michael Anthony, to play the bass and drum. You can get anybody you want. I mean, what I it doesn't make it any more special because they're involved. I get that. I get what you're saying. And but I think it means more if you actually had people that were in the band. No? Not to me. I mean, if, if it means something to you, that's fine. I, I disagree. Uh, I can't. I can't hear the difference. I guess is my point. Yeah, the yeah. the reason you know it's Van Halen songs because you hear the unmistakable tone and, and yeah. phrasing of Eddie Van Halen. Right. If you switch the drums out in a Van Halen song with some other drummer, I tell you, I probably wouldn't know the difference. Totally agree. And I know I wouldn't know the difference if you changed the bass player. Again, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I just so what the fuck difference does it make? Well, I think that I guess my point would be at least with Van Halen. Uh, you had Alex, Michael, and then say you had Sammy and Dave, and then got different, like Red Beach comes in and plays, or uh -huh. somebody that can do like the tapping and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that, I, I would think that that would be a cool, like, hey, we're doing a tribute, like, who is it? Somebody passed away. 
Oh, when Dio passed away. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like heaven and hell. So it was like, Iomi, Geezer mm-hmm. Butler, mm-hmm. and I want to see Vinny Apice. Mm-hmm. with it was uh, Glenn Hughes and Jorn Landa. Okay. Came out and did the vocals for Dio. They just mm-hmm. did Dio era stuff with Sabbath. Right. right. That sort of thing. I think that's what I had. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, it, it... you're replacing a vocalist. Right. Which was integral. Just well, that's the Van Halen and Van Halen. Exactly. That's but, what I was going to say. It, it's it's when I was using, for instance, earlier the David Lee Roth as an example. I, I picked him because I'm saying if you had another famous band, you know, any famous band, and you lost one of the members, but the band isn't famous for one of those other members, then who gives a shit? So, like, uh, you know, like another band would be, well, like I said, Jimi Hendrix. Losing Hendrix is important. But if you had a band like, well, like even Cream, if you had Cream and if you lost Clapton, that'd be important. If you lost any of the other dudes, I wouldn't know the fucking difference. I don't know Ginger Baker's drumming so ama- so well that I could tell the difference and would give a shit if he was replaced. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of drummers who could probably tell and think, no, dude, he's a fucking genius. You got to, right. okay, whatever, that's fine. But for me, a lot of those things are famous because of that. So, and I can't, I don't know why offhand, I can't, well, it's here, here's, here's maybe an example. Uh, your boys, DGM. So if What's-His-Face uh, left DGN, the guitarist, Simone uh, Mularoni, and they, and they like he died, uh, uh, God forbid, and they wanted to do a tribute and they got some other guy in there, it's like, well, wait, the, the, the thing that made that band so amazing at all was, the, was that guitarist, his singular vision and all that kind of shit. Okay. So replacing well, gonna, him is a big deal. Right. But I'm going to come back at you with this, with people that influenced him say Steve Lukather uh-huh. was a huge fan of DGM and somehow okay. somehow he could play DGM music okay. or and I always, I always tell Simone when we talk it's like dude Neil Sean he goes oh I love Neil Sean but uh, yeah, uh, Steve Lukather is kind of more of an influence I'm like dude I hear I hear them both but Neil Sean is like I hear that so much in the solos. He's, he's like, oh, I get it, man. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> it's the most awesome. But sure. So you got DGM. Is, again, DGM would have to be on a much bigger level. But say they do a tribute to Simone. Simone passes away. God forbid. Hopefully it doesn't because I love right. the guy's music. And sure. he's just a really cool dude. Right, um, right. We know. But Steve Lukather says, you know what? I influenced this guy. I'm going to go play some solos or play up. I'm going to play Simone's parts. And then Neil Schoen's like, yeah. So you got Neil Schoen with and Steve Lukather going back, probably both on stage at the same time, trading off solos, doing DGM stuff. Would you want to hear that? No. No? Not, not. I mean, like I said, let's say, like you said, Steve Lukather said, hey, I want to, because I thought he was great and I'd like to play, I'd like to fill in as a guitarist. It's like, all right, right. tell you what, if what you want to do is make your own track for an upcoming DGM appreciation album or whatever, with, with whatever musicians you want, go nuts. That's great. I don't have a problem with that. My my point was simply what I thought you were saying is it's more important or more special or more whatever to get everybody else who didn't die with this other dude who who's replacing the dead guy. Well, like, like, making the album. And I don't know what the difference is. 
Well, I mean, just like, I mean, if you would have got this, that's kind of a shitty, a very shitty. Oh, look at it this way. Because this, this, this has been talked about before. Yeah. Look at Rush. They said, hey, man, what if uh, now that he's, you know, that Neil Peart has passed away, about the, yeah. what about, you know, having uh, Mike Portnoy do the drums and then they go off and tour as Rush and you could do it as a tribute? I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be interested in saying that. I mean, I'd be glad that they they were playing and that the music sort of lives on. But for me, really, Rush is, is dead, you know, because you lost a key guy. And it's just not the same anymore. Well, I think what I'm putting at, it's not even an entity anymore. <coughs> it's more just a one-off tribute thing. And that's why right. I say, make a tribute oh, album. I mean, Go nuts. Rush did like a tribute thing to Neil Peart. It had Portnoy or some other drummers come up there that really right. are as good as Neil Peart. Totally inspired. I'd want to see that. Just because okay. like, I... It, it was so funny because we were in a place tonight and Tom Shoyer comes on. I've heard the song a million times. Sure. And I was talking to much yesterday. It doesn't matter how many times I hear the song. The song's fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. If I'm running to it, I'm fucking air drumming or playing keyboards or playing bass or guitar or whatever. Just a great fucking band. So... I guess they went out on the, 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 the thing about Rush was they're like, hey, it's our final tour. None of us knew that Neil was sick. Uh. Uh, so I was okay with that closure. You know, Van Halen kind of like hit everything. I was like, mm. well, there's hope. They're going to come out on tour, blah, blah, blah. And right. they started hearing the rumors of Eddie being sick. And was like, is it true or false? We don't know. Every, oh, sorry. Everything's fucking hidden with them secretive um, so to do a tribute and again I'm talking about one-off I don't want to see an entity of Mike Portnoy with Getty Lee and yeah. Alex Lifeson but just a one-off thing to say it's our tribute to Neil but not just Portnoy it'd be other drummers that were sure, sure, I get it. that were highly influenced by Pierre right. uh, to come out and it's like it's the last time we're going to ever play Rush songs. Uh, Forever. Even yeah, though yeah. we said we're done. This is it. It's our tribute to Neil. Kind of the same thing I'm thinking about like for Eddie. It's like, right. this is the last time you're going to hear this music. We're going to do the same era. We'll do some Dave era. Mm. And we'll have guest guitar players came up like Steve I comes in. Uh, Red Beach comes in. Right. I think that would be kind of fucking cool for just like a one-off, but not a touring entity. We're not going to go record music after this. This is just to give, pay homage to Eddie Van Halen, right. Neil Peart, sure, sure. Dimebag, or whoever, you know? Yeah, I get it. I mean, if that's your thing, that's fun. I mean, I, I just wouldn't be interested. But you in have that. no interest in that, which no, I, I mean, in my opinion, I do. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. see that. That's cool. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Because I love... To me, it's just that it just comes off as a cover band. And it's like, well, I can find a cover band. What do right, I give a shit? Right. I get that. I get and that. Then, and when you say tribute, it's like, well, you know, the greatest tribute is we'll never play that music again because the master is gone. And if you want to hear that song, the, the reason you love that song, go listen to that fucking song because it's right. there forever. And it's perfect. Like, I'm that way about Subdivision. Fucking love that song. The drum thing and the drum part in Subdivision 
I air drum like a motherfucker to that thing. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm terrible. But I love it so much because there's so much like amazing shit going on that you're just like, I can't believe how fucking brilliant Neil Peart was. He was the guy was a oh, fucking yeah. genius. And there's there's YouTube videos where it's got him playing the drums and it's isolated. You don't hear any of the other instruments. It's just Neil. And you can still tell, you know, where he is in the song because you recognize the jump parts. You can hear the rest in your head like, oh, they're at that part of the, the chorus. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck, I had no idea he was doing all of this shit in that song because all the other instruments were around. Hearing it by itself, you get a new appreciation for just how fucking brilliant this guy was. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of just an amazing musician. And yeah. I, I watched this documentary. It was the making of uh, movie pictures. And I think I've talked about this on the show before, where Neil said the hardest drums I maybe at that point he had ever done was in Tom Sawyer. Uh, you okay. don't think about Tom Sawyer. Just, da, 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 da. Yeah. But if you start listening to the drum parts in there, there's a lot of shit going on. That's the way Neil was. Yeah. Even the simplest sounding shit, when you watch him, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Is that you, it sounds simple, but you see his arms moving all over the fucking yeah. place. You're like, damn, dude, I can barely keep a rhythm. This motherfucker is keeping four separate rhythms in each of his limbs like a fucking boss. And I'm like, damn, he was so good. And he's gone forever, and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, but we have his music, so it's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's funny. <laughs> I mean, if I tell somebody, ah, oh, yes, I used to play guitar or whatever, and they're like, oh, you must be so talented. It's like, you know what? No. I think <laughs> drumming is one of the harder instruments to actually play. I mean, unless you're just like a virtuoso guitar player, that's tough too. But yeah. drumming and keeping timing and yeah. there's some just amazing drummers. I was like, I'm a pretty good air drummer, but there's some shit. It's just like, how did that even happen? You know, drumming is yeah. hard. And then... Sure. I think it's kind of funny if you see, and not to like body shame anything, but there's some pretty big guys that are drummers. Yeah. And they, they're fucking busy back there. Unless <laughs> there's like the fucking ACDC drums or like. Uh, right, or taking care of business. Like CZ Top or whatever. Uh, right. It's just like, if you're like in a progressive metal band, how are you right. not like 100 pounds? It just fucking rocked up and just yeah, you know? just jacked, man. From because yeah, exactly. talk about cardio, dude, moving those feet. Yeah, dude. So um, yeah, because I follow on uh, on Twitch. I also watch uh, the drummer for uh, Tesseract. He stream he streams pretty regularly as well, and he's fun to watch because he's really good. He's actually got one of those electronic drum sets, so oh, it's really? like yeah, but it, yet it sounds amazing. Get he's he's got it hooked up MIDI or whatever, so he's got yeah. the. The, the, it sounds like real drums and uh, he's got all the little parts and he's just he's all over the place I'm like and it's just fun to watch a really good drummer do all this intricate little shit and you're just like damn drumming is just amazing so oh dude I don't get it I've sat behind a kid more than twice oh, yeah. me too like, when we when we're, we're in Cook's Island and we're not yeah, I sat there and I went to was it Trey's uh, drums? Yeah, Trey, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I, I let me try some shit. And I'm mean, like, I couldn't. I was like, I don't know what the. I was like a little like, baby no rhythm, slamming man. on. Yeah, I was like a little baby with a spoon slamming on the table. Pow, pow. This is as good as I'm doing. <laughs> it was pathetic. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, I can't even. I've been playing 40 years almost, and I can't play songs and sing at the same time. Throws my fucking rhythm off. I'm that pathetic. Yeah. So I mean, I just don't have what it takes to do all that shit. Huh. It's Neither fine. do I, sir. So anyway, and also as a, as the secondary thing you were saying, like Alex saying, I'm never going to play again. It's like, you know what? I respect that. It's like, he was my brother. We were completely in sync 
because they were like they were like yeah, uh, yeah. they were like Siamese twins. Dude. The way they were just they had that lockdown, that rhythm section, and they were always you know totally like this with each other, thick as thieves. So I can totally understand if he said, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. If my brother's gone, it's just what's the point? And, then, and he's done it for like fifty years, so it's fine. Yeah. And I didn't know <laughs> like starting another band. I just thought that in the reason what was part of the conversation was like. It'd be cool just to see. Not that I'm ever like the biggest Alex Van Halen drumming fan. Oh yeah, I mean he doesn't do cool anything that impresses Alex me. Alex the drums one more time, and I mean he did some cool shit like with Hopper Teacher and yeah. some of the earlier stuff. You're like, that's I mean some pretty cool stuff. He gave us some pretty memorable things. Yeah, more time with like you know some of the other guys would have been kind of cool. Bring in just like a curtain call fucking guitar players they're just amazing some of our yeah. favorites you and i that would love i mean i wouldn't want to see oh eric clapton's come to play tribute to eddie van halen eric Clapton's a great guitar player i don't want to see him play van halen i want to see red beach i want to see steve Vai. i want to see yeah. uh simone Mulroney. i want to see those kind of people come out there and that's and the thing that's the thing i'm not against players. that's the thing i'm not against covers of van halen songs by amazing guitarists mm -hmm. that that shit could be a lot of fun i mean we love watching those legion videos when they do oh, rush yeah. covers man it's like holy shit that sounds, yes. and they don't do anything all that yeah and they don't do anything all that different than the actual song they just play yeah. the fuck out yeah. but it's like it's fun to watch other badass bands do other badass yeah. bands uh too so i'm not saying i don't want that i'm just saying i don't need the other original remaining members to be part of it because it doesn't add anything for me but that's me well, let me ask, uh, before we drop the subject, which we probably will. We, we beat it to death, yeah, so, but it's fine. Um, remaining Beatles. Okay. So, John Lennon's gone. You got Ringo, George, and Paul. Uh -huh. And there was talk of Julian Lennon coming in. Right, right, we've talked about this. And doing a kind of a, like, tribute to John type thing. Sure. Never yeah. happened. Right. I wanted to see that bad. I thought, because it would have been neat. Got John's voice, right? Very talented. Yep. And I thought, wow, that would have been so cool to hear. Sure. Again, it would almost be like, like you said, like a karaoke or cover band or whatever. But right. it's a Beatles, right? So. And and it's a son of a Beatle, so it's it's totally in there. It's authentic, right? I mean, yeah. it's actually kind of a moving sort of an idea of a tribute to. Right. That to me sounds like a true tribute. The I others just sound like see that, though. I don't the others just did. sound like a cash grab or something. So that's why I'm just. Not... Did you care to see that or no? Yeah, I already said yeah, totally. I'd be, I, that I would be fine with. But if you said, "Hey, man, we're going to do a tour, and it's going to be Ringo and Paul, you know, on drums and guitar, or whatever, doing Beatles songs," I'm like, right, but it's only half the Beatles. What's the fucking point of that? No, and they they do stuff together. I think yeah, not really like, who touring, cares? But... Again, yeah. I've never seen Paul McCartney as like a bucket list kind of guy because I've seen the Stones now twice. Yeah, yeah. And see, I don't care to ever see Paul. I love the Beatles, but I don't. I don't care if I never see it. It's, it's, I, I think it would be. I wish I would have seen Paul probably ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now he's getting pretty old. But now, my thing is like, yeah. My thing is like, look, I I'd, I'd be more happy seeing like Enough's Enough back when it was Donny V. Enough's Enough doing a Beatles cover. That would be fun. Oh, dude, it was. <laughs> you remember when they did yeah. what, Dear Prudence? Yeah, Dear Prudence. I yeah. talked to Donnie about it. I was like, dude, would you fucking did that? 
It's fucking amazing, bro. It's yeah. all dude thanks, man. <clears throat> thanks, brother. And as Chip Holmes. That's thanks, right, Chip brother. is like that. Yeah, Chip is great. <laughs> but no, the, yeah. Yeah, they did. That's the thing. I, I, I'm all for covers. Covers are great. So anyway, so that's enough of that shit. We, we talked right, the shit so out of that. Should we do one more story or should we go to classics? Uh, Yeah, I mean, let's just go to classics. Let's hit it. We, we talked long enough. Right. They're tired of our ass. A classic? I actually don't. Okay, Do I got one. All right. How about, and I've been listening to this quite a bit because of the Spotify. I can listen cool. to whatever I want for the most part. So yeah. I pull up some old stuff as well as some newer stuff. But uh, I've been really jamming to some Danger Danger lately. Uh, and there was a record that they put out. Actually... I would say 10 to 15 years after it was recorded called Kakarot. <laughs> and at the time, Ted Poley was a vocalist. And then they're like, oh, you're gone. Later, dude. And uh, so they hired a guy named Paul Lane. So Paul Lane, I knew Paul Lane. He had a solo career. And then he became the vocalist for Danger Danger for several years after Polly's back in the band now, but uh. so there's this one record called Cockroach with both. There's two versions, one with Ted Polly and one with Paul Lane. Uh. So I've always gravitated to the Paul Lane version. Uh, not to knock Ted, because Ted's got great vocals too, but uh, Paul Lane's been on my iPod, stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'll pull up the Ted Polly, Polly version. So uh, why don't we play when she's good, she's good. When she's bad, she's better, Holmes. Nice. Oh, with Ted Poley in Danger Danger. Let's check it out. Yeah. Yesterday, but you're so together. 
Nice. I respect yeah. it. The red, <coughs> the gray ones, and like the Granny Smith. That's right. They, the they, Fugees. It's like they, they walk fish, they talk fish. What is it about fish? I used to have a gopher. She smelled like fish. So what, is, what you got over there? How about how about a little something something from a little how about a little Swedish death metal like old school? Hell yeah. How about a little bit like uh at the gates? Oh fuck yeah. A little slaughter of the soul. Dude, I'm down like a clown homes. How about let's go uh let's maybe do something like blinded by fear. Blinded by fear. Still <laughs> Babe in the woods. There you go, but I pulled it out. You pulled it out like a sock out of your jock. <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't uh, we do the picture of the week? Let's do it. If you don't mind, mate, I'm going to do mean mine first. All right. <laughs> oh, I haven't played this one. How about this one? This one's called Loud. This is Sammy Hagar. Uh -huh. I'm talking about Van Halen. Michael Anthony, Billy Duffy, and Matt Sorum. So, nice. what was Matt Sorum in the cult too, or just Guns N' Roses? I feel like maybe he was, but I could be wrong. I think so too. I don't know. So anyway, uh, this came out a little while back. Pretty cool song. Maybe not the greatest thing ever, but it sounds like the cult mixed with Sammy Hagar's like uh, uh, solo stuff. So. Won't we check this out? It's called Loud by Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Billy Duffy, and Mastron. Let's do it. <laughs>
How about you? Uh, how about, since we mentioned them earlier, how about something from Allegion? Allegion? Yeah, they got a new record here pretty quick, too. Yeah, Damnum is the name of that. And uh, this, I think, is... Uh, not sure. It's the newest single, and it's called Of Beasts and Worms. Nice, let's do it. right now on tap to go let me i didn't ask you about dark tranquility is that one that you would consider or no interested no don't care nope dude they're the ones that created melodic death metal cool it's got chris amont original guitar player for arch enemy nice (laughs) still not so man Yes, I don't know if you expect that to change my mind. It's not. I was waiting for your eyes to like bug out, like, really? No, nah, I don't give a shit. It didn't work, Holmes? No. And then, uh, 
a reunited enchant is going to open up. You're a liar. As you said that, I'm like, you lying, motherfucker. Because I'd be all about that. I know you would. I, I miss them. I miss them that last time they came, and I miss them, and I was kicking myself for it. They were like up in North Houston sometime. And I was like, fuck, I should have gone. That's what I'm looking at now. I see all these fans coming. I was like, I should probably go. Because if it's, what would be after Omicron as far as pandemic COVID bullshit? Oh, I don't know. Whatever the next, you know. Because the number. Moo vibe, the Moo version didn't didn't last long. Right. There's and Moo then, and then New and then Omicron and then whatever. One of what's my friends started doing the Omega Moo song from Revision of the Nerds. <laughs> the Trilambdas. There you go. And Omega Moo. <laughs> but that's the. Uh, but that uh, would be it. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's next. They'll start pulling shit out of Star Wars. Wow, what the... What was that? This there was is a Boba Fett virus, mate. They've got a poster here on their website. It's King's X and Enchant, dude. From when? From like probably 2018 or something. Their last... 1922. It's a while back that they toured. Yeah, this is 2015 when they were playing with Spock's beard. Fuck, that would have been amazing. Oh, shit. I know, dude. It's like, you motherfuckers, y'all need to just quit fucking around. I don't even know if they're still together, you know? For all I know, they yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So I think their yeah, last there's, album there's was... There's a band I like called Real Friends. And my buddy's like, they broke up. And then I saw they're playing in Dallas. Like, next month, I'm like, I was going to bust his balls today, but I hadn't had time. It's like, dude, I guess we're going to Dallas. They're playing, playing over there. They're back yeah. together, apparently. It's like, I don't know, they look really good for a broken up band, you prick. And he's like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I didn't know my story, man. I heard something on the internet. It's like, he, I did too. And you just backhand him, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> shut your fucking file. So, <coughs> anyway, guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Sorry, uh, we've not been posting, but we will post more at some point in time. No promises. No. It's going to happen, though. Uh-huh. Because you'll hear the show at some point. <laughs> Maybe in heaven. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, anyway, guys, thank you for listening. We want to give you two big horns. Hey, everybody. This is Gus G, and you are listening to the Genghis and Ragman Show. Horns up.
with, I'm going to say, a friend of the show. This guy's been on probably four or five times now. Uh, one of my favorite guitar players, a guy so talented, Mr. Gus G. Welcome back, Gus. Hey, what's happening, man? Thanks for having me. Good, man. It's been a long time since we spoke. Uh, we were just chatting real quick. Uh, I think why actually ch- we chatted uh, on the release of the last Firewind record. Uh, yes, we did last year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then all hell broke loose with pandemics and no touring and quarantines yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So I know. Um, now you have a brand new instrumental record called Quantum Leap coming out on AFM on October eighth. But let's let's kind of take it back a little bit. When uh, I guess the last Firewind record, did you guys get to tour at all on that, or was it shut uh, down? Already shut down by the time the record came out. Yeah, we released it at the worst possible time, right when everything was shutting down. Uh, I think we, uh, I think yeah, the album came out May 2020, and. Um, I mean, the world basically got shut down around April, and um, we were supposed to start a major tour in the States, and of course, none of that happened, and, uh, you know, it was, it really is a, a shame, especially for that album, because I felt that it is one of the band's best albums, and it was a major lineup change. Uh, and we were really looking forward to kind of, you know, debuting the new lineup and playing the new songs. And, you know, that album had momentum and um, everything, you know, it was just unfortunate, you know, really the time that it came out. But I mean, looking back, even if we had put it out like now, instead of me putting out this solo record, we still couldn't tour because where can you go, really? Uh, maybe you can play some local shows, but that's about it. You know, it's... Um, we definitely cannot travel in the States right now. So, um, yeah, so no shows for Firewind, really. We made a record and we've just uh, we've just stayed at home. We did get together once for rehearsals, though. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I got to say, dude, I agree with you 100%. I think that is probably my favorite Firewind record out of the whole catalog. It was so solid and... Thanks. I think you, yeah, dude, you guys were actually set to come here in Houston. I forget who you were playing with. Yeah, um, with uh, Symphony X. Yes. Yeah, because it's like they had some sort of anniversary tour going on. I was like, yeah. hell yeah, dude, this is gonna be freaking awesome. Great record. And then you got Symphony X there too, uh, headlining. What yeah. a, what a great bill. It was gonna be us and Primal Fear and Symphony X, and uh, yeah, it was their 25th anniversary and. Yeah, it was it was going to be a really great tour. Um, yeah, well, it is what it is, man. Right. Uh, you know, there was a. I mean, what happened is bigger than everybody. You know, it's a. Who would have thought that we would live through a pandemic in our lifetime? And um, you know, yep, we're we're here and we made it so far. And um, you know, take. I mean, I, I I think a lot of people really reevaluated their. their priorities of their life since last year and uh you know i guess everybody uh kind of takes every you know takes it one day at a time and i mean i, I know that's what i'm doing i yeah. always did that but you know with the nature of the business you have to kind of look a little bit into the future like at least six to eight months ahead or what are we doing next year so it was always that kind of a question what are we doing next year well what about after this tour what so the last 20 years have been more or less thinking for of you know of the future 
uh, and now you've, it's it's all changed, you know. Like uh, it's better to kind of like live in the moment, and you know, <laughs> when when everything that you have for granted is is taken away from you, it's uh, put things into a different perspective. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, before, before we jump into the record, uh, I just want to ask you, how did that record do for y'all uh, with no tour support? Such a solid record. I, I know you guys did uh, quite a few videos. Um, did did the record actually do fairly well for y'all? Or from what I spoke to AFM, yeah, they were they were pleased with it. They th- they thought it, it sold pretty well, and you know, on the streaming side of things, it did really well. Um, you know, that single that we had, Rising Fire, did really well on, on Spotify. Um, you know, it's like. I think it did like a, at least two million streams like it in less than a year or so. So that means that people got to hear it, you know, so it's um, and it's it's still doing well. You know, there's 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 a, uh, you know, the momentum is still on that record. This is still happening. People are still listening. And uh, yeah, the feedback was overall really great, both from fans and, and press. So excuse me. Yeah. So um it was good. I, I, I'm just imagining what could have been if we had, you know, had we gone out there and played shows for it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it definitely would have spread the word with you guys being on U.S. soil on a pretty good little tour like that. Um, really getting I mean, the we, out we, we had a plan to do like three U.S. tours. We were going to do a, like a long cycle. Like oh, the plan wow. was to, yeah, the plan was to do like 18 months, you know, over 18 months to come back and do like two more support tours and then like you know finally maybe maybe come back and do like a headline thing at the end you know or or put out a new record and then start headlining again and that was like the the major plan but you know none of that is happening now oh man that's a bummer well um the good news is you have a brand new badass instrumental record so i guess once you got on lockdown was your first thought i guess you're kind of waiting to see is this a bad movie (laughs) that's gonna end here pretty quick or is this going to be something that's going to be drawn out for a while? And I think it took everybody kind of had that oh shit moment that there's no way this is fucking real. There's, you know, this just doesn't <laughs> happen. This is a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think everybody went through that. I mean, I, to be honest with you, man, I, I thought that, yeah, it is, I, I, I felt that I'm going to be in here for a while. Like, okay, with all these things can getting canceled, um, yeah, I, I thought, well, okay, this is pretty serious, and we, uh, I, 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 like, instantly I, I started thinking of, okay, I have to figure out a way to um, kind of um, shift the business, you know, online, mm-hmm. focus on that, um, trying to find ways, as everybody did, not just me, you know, everybody went through that, and, um, and uh, you know, making making music, and this record is an outcome of all this, and uh, just primarily out of, uh, you know, having something to do, really, if nothing else, because I definitely didn't make this record to think that I'm going to go on a tour or something amazing is going to happen. You know, it was just like, you know, let's just keep making music. That's all I've done. And, um, you know, what? instead of sitting on my couch for like at least a year, I might as well do something with my time. So it was enjoyable. Yeah, it was enjoyable to just to... Uh, spend time with this record and try something new yeah well did you initially go into this saying hey i want to do an instrumental record or were you thinking to do something more like fearless where you had vocals uh and you know 
what what are the challenges of doing an instrumental record opposed to a record that is has vocals? Um, no, it was actually um, the original thought was to make an instrumental record right away. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, with the tours getting canceled for Firewood and all that, I re I, I I thought, well, I'm not gonna go back and do another Firewood record. Like we we've, we've done the best we could now, and this is it, you know, and let that record take its course and do what it, what it's supposed to do. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I should just jump back and do it like another solo record and it could be something else, you know, cause I was thinking of that, like, should it have, you know, people at collaborations again, should it have something else or, and that's when I it hit me like, well, maybe now is the time to really sit here and focus on this instrumental idea, instrumental record that I've had for a while and try and dive deep into this and see if I can do it. Because it was always like a thought in the back of my mind, but I was just not really 100% confident I could do it. And um, yeah, so that was the start, that was the initial thought, honestly. So um, yeah, it was it was a right time to do a record like that. Is it harder to write for an instrumental record? I mean, there's a lot more moving parts, of course, because you're doing everything, right? Uh, than doing one with vocals. Is it harder for you to do write? instrumentally opposed to initially initially it it was for me because i'm so used to making vocal records you know so initially it was because i I didn't really know because there's so many options you can do so many things when there's like that gap is there you know where there's no that's not gap but that's big space to fill you know when there's no vocals so but once i got into the zone it seemed easier and easier how to construct a, a song like that and you see what your options are and you can go here and there you can you know you can become more adventurous with the um um the arrangements all these things so um or you can try out totally different things it's like and you can still put it under the same roof you know with instrumental music it doesn't really matter um so, and and i really enjoy that aspect of that that part of that so i got more comfortable in you know in the midst of that you know in the beginning, I, I had my doubts, like, okay, how do I do this? What, what is this? How is this supposed to be? Because mm-hmm. I definitely didn't want to make a record where it was going to be a bunch of backing tracks and me soloing over. I mean, I, I wasn't looking to do something like that. Um, it had to be something that has, this, you know, like a musical statement, you know, like a, a meaning behind this. I think I, I coming out of the pandemic and even during the pandemic, I think that instrumental records have kind of gotten a little bit, you know, in the 80s, it's kind of big to deal with Vi and Satriani mm-hmm. and McAlpine, all these guys put down instrumental records. I think there's kind of a resurgence. And I want to say it's over the last few years uh, going through the pandemic where there's a lot of really good, solid instrumental records out there i don't know how well they really sell the uh the big spectrum of things but i know as a guitar fan and a failed guitar player that i love it and a record like yours is so awesome yeah in that the variety on this record it's not just like you said i'm not wanking off for 10 tracks uh to the same backing track every song uh, there's a lot of variety on this i really dig what you've done here Thanks. Um, you know, a lot of the prog guys are doing that actually the last seven, eight or ten years. You know, that's become like the prog scene has blossomed into this. You know, if you look at, you know, the more modern bands like Animals as Leaders or Polyphia or bands like that, which is obviously not close to what I'm doing at all. But 
just using them as an example because those bands have the, like their own community and their own found their own niche and they're doing something different and they're having a lot of success with instrumental music. Um, I guess what I'm doing is more on the traditional side of things in a sense. So it's a little bit like of a dying art, if you like, you know, making those types of records. But I want to think that it's not like, you know, a hundred percent like one of those 80s shred records per se. You know, I think it's, yeah. there's there's more to it. You know, I think there's there's actual, you know, there's the, it's not like an album where it's a, a showcase to to be like, okay, look, listen, to this guitar player, how great he can play, and maybe some other band is gonna pick him up. It definitely was not done with that in mind. Um, you know, I, I want to think that it's an, a record that has you know actual good good uh, pieces of music, and uh, of course there's a lot of guitar in there because I'm a guitar player and that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, I, did, I want to bring up a track here, and this is the one that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop, but I love it. Uh, it's called Night Driver, and it's got this 80s-synthy, like, horror movie little keyboard thing going, and then you have some really tasty solos over that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your thought behind that song and the way you wrote it? Sure. Um, this was actually one of the first songs that I started making, and you're right. It has a little bit of that kind of '80s, uh, maybe uh, slasher film type of vibe. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yeah, um, but then you hear like this kind of different, like this, you know, the guitar track is like very melodic over it and all that. It was actually a different track in the beginning. I had a proper like um, arrangement with drums and bass and everything, like a rock band's setting. And I was not sure what to do with it, so I took it to my buddy, um, Strutter, who has a studio here, Valve Studio, and I've done a bunch of records there. And uh, I kind of said to him, yeah, I need some help with this. I need a starting point, so I'm not sure what and how to do. And then I played him the track, and he said, okay, yeah. And he said, why don't we do like a synthwave track out of that, he suggested. So it was his idea, and uh, he just put down the synth sound, the synth bass sound, and then programmed like a simple drum machine. And I kind of rearranged my initial riff over that. And basically, I took the track at home and then I, yeah, morphed it into 
whatever you hear it is now. Um, so yeah, and it, yeah, it has this certain atmosphere, and um, I guess the, you know it was it, it was kind of strange for me to construct the like because that's such a simple background, you know, and then yeah. like you have to construct it with a guitar, like it cannot be only like this and like never ending solo there has to be themes and there has to be it has to develop and there has to kind of like unfold somehow and have the guitar tell some kind of a story or a melody and then you, sure you can shred and, and, and all that but it has to have a, a, you know, a theme and an overall vibe um so it's a song that i it took me a while really like to do the the, the main guitar track over it i went back and forth quite a quite a bit um I'm happy the way it came out, though. It's very different from the rest of the record. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and I was going to mention, there's, a, I think it's in the middle section of the song, there's kind of this classic 80s-style riff underneath. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that, dude. It was so cool, man. I was like, and then <laughs> it's, you like listening, it's like listening to an accept riff over, like, <laughs> a synthwave track. <laughs> yeah, 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 no shit, man. It's so awesome, man. I really, really dig that part of it. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Another track I want to bring up is Enigma of Life, and this is the one the video for. Uh, kind of a bluesier track. I really dig, man. Uh, Thank so you. tell me a little bit about that track, and tell me a little bit about the video, where you guys shot it, and uh, kind of what your thoughts. Uh, do you, and actually, I wanted to ask you, do you have any say in the video? Because there's something I want to bring up mm-hmm. uh, uh, after you ask the que- uh, answer the question, because I thought it was sure. kind of cool. First of all, the music, the music part. Um, this was one of the easier songs to write. It was obviously you can hear it's just kind of like a melancholic type of track, you know, more bluesy and. Um, but you know, I, I, I guess I wrote it on a rainy day or something like that, or on a gray <laughs> day. It must have been because I, I remember I remember it being very instant. Like I wrote, you know, some songs take 
forever to write it. They're just tough, you know. And then this one came to me like very, like, like very easily. Like I just strummed a few chords on the guitar. Okay, verse. Then I had the chorus. I like it, I knew how to go like exactly. And the first melody that I played over it, you know, once I laid the acoustic track down, it was this one. So basically, the the you know the 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 thing that kind of um, I had to really focus on was basically the the lead part, if you like, you know, how to do the how to fill the little gaps here and there in between the the melodies. Um, it's nice when that happens, you know, when you have a song that comes to you like right away, instead of having to fight for it and then doing different versions of it. Because I've had many songs like that as well, you know, where I really had to deconstruct and construct again. But this one was an easy one. Well, it's very cool, man. Uh, I do like when it has that kind of acoustic part in it. And then you just do the solo with this so much feeling, man. I love when you go really i love when you rip but i love when you start playing with that ton of feeling man it's so awesome yeah yeah i mean i wanted to make a song where i could hear it right away that okay this is not like a shredding type of thing you know this yeah is, uh, you can have a few little technical things here and there just to kind of like, you know take you know keep the attention going but the main thing should rely on melodies yeah where, where did you guys end up filming the video we filmed it right outside in uh, my city, in Thessaloniki. I live. It's in the uh, uh, west part, I think, of the city. It's like a, there's this, there's this kind of kind of like, pro, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a kind of a park, protected park from, um, you know, from this uh, like a wildlife protection park or something. When they have uh, flamingos there, oh, you nice. can believe that. Yeah, because it's. I don't know why we have flamingos in this specific part. Um, <laughs> usually you find them in Florida, but yeah, we have them. And, and uh, yeah, so they, they are there and then you can go and check them out. You know, they, they have built like this kind of big sidewalk where you can go and see them. And uh, I was there with my wife during the, the lockdown. You know, we went out for a walk there. You know, we drove out there and we took a walk just to get out of the house a little bit. And, um, and I thought, well, this is, I would like to film a video here. And later, when we were doing the all the videos for the album, you know, one of the shooting days was there because I, I told the director that I, I, I want, we should do something outdoor for that song, and um, and we did it. Yeah. Let me ask you this, just just out of curiosity, because you know, mm -hmm. I've never been on a video shoot, but when it's just you, and I guess what, what they just get a speaker and they're blaring the music and you're just playing along to it, you like. God, it feels kind of weird that I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, me. it's like a, it's a speaker. Yeah, if it's outdoor, it's a speaker, or like I guess if you're an indoor in a studio, it's like, you know, there's like probably a PA or a couple of speakers, and they just, yeah, it's basically lip syncing. You know, it's kind of weird, uh, especially if you're like a, if you're not a pop artist and not used to lip syncing. You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but it's it's uh, it's kind of strange what you do it, and um, I understand sometimes if must be weird for the viewer too I, I remember like whenever i've done like an outdoor shoot there's always like those comments where like dude this is fake where's your amp like well, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a performance video you know yeah. so you're not so, you're not supposed to recreate that it's like live it's you know it's like it's uh, it's an artistic view or whatever like it's a you know it's oh, yeah. a video dude it's like it doesn't have to be like a live show yeah yeah, exactly. It's it's funny because there, there were a couple videos I've seen 
where you see guys in this studio, they're doing the performance, you know, video in the studio. And I asked one guy, it looks so real. I said, were you guys actually playing? He said, no, no, we're just faking it. And then I don't know if you know Simone Maloroni over at, uh, with DGM. No. And I talked to Simone and they did uh, the video for Surrender. And he said, dude, we were actually playing. And it was right in sync with, I guess, whatever they were pumping over the uh yeah, it, I mean, it depends. Everybody does it differently, you know? I mean, we've done a thing, like, you know, that video for Fire with the Rising Fire? Yeah. We were not we were not plugged in, but, you know, we were playing to, through the actual track. The, the whole idea was that we were kind of, like, performing in this big kind of studio with Pyro. And yeah. So so we are performing, right? It's just, not, you know, we're not plugged in or anything. Um, right, right, for sure. But well, I think it looks a bit more weird if you're filming outdoors and you don't have your amp and it's just like you with your guitar in a mountain or something. <laughs> exactly. You know, like do, do you do you think Richie Sambora was actually plugged in at that fucking mountain on Blaze of Glory video? No, <laughs> it wasn't. Shit. It was, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was just somebody asked you that. Where's the yeah. fucking amp, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always comments like that, dude. This is fake. Like you can't do that. Like this is this is you're not really playing. Like I know I'm not really playing. I'm supposed I'm kind of like faking it but it's like it's you know it's just like a it's a visual you know it's a visual it's like an audio visual thing for you to enjoy the music i don't know how, how else can you explain that to somebody i don't know exactly <laughs> well I, I i did want to mention one thing real quick and i know that a lot of guys have been doing this and i think it was created on the gary moore out in the fields video where you do the uh, camera on the headstock uh, of the guitar, and I noticed yeah. you did that. I didn't know if you said, "Hey, I want to do the same with the headstock," or the director did. But I love it when uh, bands do that in their videos, and always go back to Gary Moore. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Usually, it's, it'll be the director. I've, I remember I've asked that once in one video like 15 years ago, and I never asked that again. Sometimes the director might want to get a shot like that, you know, to blend in for for a specific part. Um, I know that, uh, yeah, my guy, he really wanted to have that because we had like, such a cool scenery and yeah. I was standing on this, I was standing on these uh, kind of piles of like dry, dried up uh, uh, mud or something and it looked like, like desert. So I think he wanted to get that kind of angle of the camera of my fretboard and then you can see the, the, that kind of uh, part of the land. As, you know, as the, I guess it was just like the way he looked at it from the lens, and uh, so yeah, there you have it. That's the story behind that. All right, uh, last track, Gus. I know we're short on time. Uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about Quantum Lead, uh, the the title track of the record, so good, probably my favorite on the record so far. It's just uh, very melodic, uh, uh, cool up tempo type track. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that before we go?
Yeah, sure. I mean, actually, that track was uh, the main riff. I actually had it in my computer. It was laying around there for a few months, probably. So it's an old, it was an older riff, and I kind of took over that riff and basically developed it into this, yeah, type of track that you hear. And it was a little bit like a puzzle of different ideas. You know, I wrote like the main verse and the chorus melody, which, yeah, I think has, I think has a nice flow. Reminds obviously a lot of, you know, the older Vinnie Moore and McAlpine records of the 80s. Oh, yeah. It has, I think that the original working title that I had for that was uh, Heroic, because it has like, this kind of heroic type of melody. Yeah, I get uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then I had like this kind of, you know, you, there's this breakdown in the middle with those clean guitars and like this atmospheric part. And that was like yes. a, also a... Di- that was also like a different song that I've had, like parts of different songs that I had and they just just didn't have a place for them. And somehow I tried to, you know, copy paste it into this one and it worked. <laughs> and sometimes it works like that, you know, like I, you know, I was just saying about how you write songs and some songs come to you right away and then others, it takes months and you pick out different parts. And so it was a little bit like a patchwork, you know, like new riffs, old riffs. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, and, I, and then I, I came up with the idea of calling it Quantum Leap because, um, you know, there were like big intervals on guitar where I was playing the riff. So obviously Quantum Leap means like when you're making like a big step and you get the, the kind of like the resemblance. So yeah, I thought it was a nice title. And eventually that led it to being the, the title of the album too, because it's, um, first of all, such a nice title. And secondly, it's... Um, it's just a big step for me to, to, to make to make an instrumental record, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, Gus, I know we got to go, uh, but before we let you go, sir, uh, you want to tell anything to the fans out there? Yeah, I mean, thanks for listening to this, and uh, thank you for the interview again and the support, and I hope it's not too long till I get back over there and um, play for my friends in America. Um, I've missed it. It's been a while. So yeah. So uh, I hope I get to see you guys sooner than later. Well, Gus, we want to thank you for coming back on the Genghis and Ragman show here on the right rock.com. And we want to tell all the fans to grab Gus G's brand new instrumental record, Quantum Leap, out on AFM on October 8th. Gus, awesome. Always awesome talking to you, brother. Good luck with everything. And when you come to the States, I'm going to buy you a beer, my friend. <laughs> All right, man. Looking forward to that. Take it easy.
has been Dingus and Ragman, and you've been listening to the Right to Rock podcast, and we appreciate you listening, and we want to give a big thank you to Tracy G, who is the third unofficial member of the group. We appreciate all of his work, especially the Broken Man song, which is the theme song to the Right to Rock podcast. And also, we're going to give high props to our boys in Sonic X, Adam and Joseph have lent us 13 to finish the show so what you're listening to right now is 13 by sonic x so check them out and keep checking us out and horns up